Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of this podcast. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, in three days' time, November 21st, Thursday, 8 p.m., Potterless Live featuring horse Eric Silver is flying into town. Johnny Frolicine is my guest, and I am happy to reveal that what we will be doing for Potterless is a March Madness style bracket to see who is the most important non essential character. The details will be laid out at the show. You'll have to come to the show to see it, obviously. Tickets are over 80. 85% sold, so if you want to go, go. They're going to sell out, so buy tickets. Go to bit.ly slash town to get the tickets before they do sell out. We're going to be doing the show. We'll hang out after. We'll find a bar nearby. You can meet me, meet Eric, meet Barb and Joel. It'll be fantastic, so bit.ly slash town. Also, big shout out to everyone I was able to meet at Conjuration, whether it was at the convention itself or at the Potterless meetup. I had a fantastic time, and it was lovely to see all of your faces. And finally, in case you missed the earlier message about it, there is new Potterless merchandise and an entirely new Potterless merchandise store. If you go to multitude.production slash merch, you can see merchandise not only for Potterless, but all of the shows, as well as some group things like the posters from our live tours. So again, multitude.production slash merch for that new merchandise. And speaking of wonderful things all together in one place, we have new patrons to welcome to the team. Barcha Fotrova, Very Poe, Korn, Michelle, Katarzyna Dvozhachkova, Elena Diamico, Brianna Wright, Mia, Heather Varela, Laura Gledhill, Selena Lamoon, and Genevieve Kenyon Slade. Shout out to Matt Bays and Trisha D who upgraded their pledge. And a huge shout out to our new producer level patrons, Nicole Linzer, Kylo the Husky, and the returns of Out of Context 69 and Callahan and Deras. They join the ranks of Vicky, Aaron, Jesse, Natalie, Cloud, Frank, Marchismo, Samantha, Juan, Abid, Rosemarie, Marie, Lisa, Romina, Kamel, Audra, Eleanor, Ross, Ann, Nikita, Taylor, Ali, Amelia, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Takari, Haley, Moster, Angelina, Caitlin, Grace, Raul, Ingen, Mari, Alex, John, Noel, Tao, Emily, Robin, Will, Liz, Brandon, Sarah, Claire, Rory, Gloria, Sarah, Patrick, Aliket, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Ivor, Naomi, Tyler, Summer, Heather, Vera, Carrie, Andrea, Ella, Anthony, David, Lisa, Lynn, Cameron, Justin, Christine, Jacob, Toothless, Maya, Mark, Polly, Netta, Remy, Sarah, Nona, Zena, Harlan, Noelia, Addie, Brian, Jenny, Nikki, Cara, Courtney, Kine, Amanda, Sabrina, Alicia, Kafir, Lindy, Martha, Benjamin, Sarah, Marta, Stephanie, Justin, Aaron, CJ, Eileen, Violet, Kat, Lindsay, Fielding, Keegan, Miranda, Gale, Mr. Folk, Adam, Christina, Maya, Zachary, Kieran, Heaven, Christy, Lily, Wire Warrior, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Itzel, Topher, Peter, Candy, Skyla, Adele, Professor Threat, Kelsey, Alubin, Malaya, Lena, Daniel, Lee, 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 Elizabeth, Abby, Lika, Michael, Earmuffs, Kara, Tiffany, Kelly, Nadia, Kerry, Jamie, Camillo, Connie, Mary, Emos, Anastasia, Jaden, Nedry, Matt, Riley, Will, Zephyr, Brett, Samantha, Kayla, Lauren, Aurora, Emma, Hermani, Megan, Out of Context, Liam, Melena, Marcos, Ella, Hannah, Courtney, Victoria, Marie, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, Julie, The Meadows Family, Jennifer, Anna, Fake, Brianna, Karu, Teru, Sarah, McKenna, Six Awkward Nine, Anthony, Peter, Heather, Dead Cat Lady, Javi, Darlene, Brad, Thomas, Charlotte, Brianna, Kevin, Lori, Patrick, Chrissy, Alex, Charlotte, Bugaboo, Jarl, Adam, Emma, Ashley, Pita, Sophie, Jack, Jan, and Pixel Guy, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Who never leave behind their watch, ring, and headphones at a hotel work desk only to have to embarrassingly ask for them at the front desk a couple hours later. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus episodes, director's commentary, exclusive merchandise, live streams, you can head on over to patreon.com slash potterless. But without Without further ado, let's get into episode 102 of Potterless, the second of three parts about the movie version of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, guest starring Brigham Snow and Lauren Shippen of Atypical Artists. 
internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man watching the Harry Potter movies for the first time because he finally finished the books. My name is Mike Schubert. I am that grown man, and I'm here joined again by two lovely humans from Atypical Artists. It's Brigham Snow and Lauren Shippen. Brigham and Lauren, how's it going? So good. So good. I uh, love to hear it. It has been minutes since we've last <laughs> recorded the episode, but in podcast real life world, it's been a week since posting. Ooh, Ooh magic. We've grown so much in these 12 minutes. <laughs> we've gotten water. We've used the restroom. And now we're going to continue talking about this movie. <laughs> So my first note that I have where we left off, and I feel bad because I feel like I'm picking on Matthew Lewis a lot, but Neville's hair, super rough. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, so rough. It's very mullety. And of course, like anytime I've poked fun at the actors, I've always fact checked to make sure that they get hot afterwards. Like the guy who played Marcus Flint <laughs> is gorgeous now. Obviously, oh, yeah. Matthew Lewis, who played Neville, is doing great. Yeah, so. they had to put him in a fat suit in later movies because yeah, he was like too, he was too handsome. Yeah. <laughs> they had to like give him false teeth and all yeah. sorts of stuff but Neville's hair is just it's mullety which is yeah. not good I, all ugh. of their hair is just a nightmare it's all bad and all in different ways yeah, yeah. <laughs> Harry's is too bushy bullcutty Ron's has weird waves at the bottom uh, Neville's is a mullet it's just finding new ways to screw up I don't know who was the hair and makeup department but they should have all been promptly fired it's yes. bad yeah very bad so Moody then enters, and Moody's entrance is iconic. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> is this actor famous? Because he was yeah. incredible. Oh, yeah. He was in, like, Braveheart, and oh, he's been okay. in a bunch yeah. of stuff. Well, and um, he is Donald Gleason's dad, too. Donald Gleason of Star Wars and mm-hmm. About Time and all sorts of things. Right. Oh, yeah. Because he ends up playing Bill Weasley, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So they're not in the same movie, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Father oh my God, son I connection. I forgot that that, because he has long hair. Uh huh. Which, because of course Bill does, but I, I forgot that's Donald Gleason. That's mm-hmm. so funny. I, I guess they would be in the seventh movie, they would be together. And maybe in the fifth, because real movie yeah. comes back. Yeah. And that's Bill's true. there. So I'll have to see, ooh, when I do the future episodes, I'll have to see they're together. Be like, <laughs> oh my God, Father son. <laughs> So he's great. He comes in, he's limping real hard, comes in in the rain, the ceiling and the. Great Hall, Great Hall or Grand Hall? Great Hall. Grand Hall. The ceiling in the Grand Hall stops working, so he's just like, Wait, no, no, sorry, it's Great Hall. The Great, sorry. The ceiling in the Great Hall stops working, so he just goes, and fixes it. I'm also going to keep that whole thing in, by the way. (laughs) I don't, it's so, it's one of the two. GR something, there's an A there. Also, is that that a thing that like happens that the ceiling in the Great Hall just doesn't work sometimes because I love the crap out of that. This is the first time that it's had technical difficulties. Yeah, I mean, but it does happen in the book, it right? It does happen yeah, in the book. Yeah, it does. It, but it is the first time it happens in the books, but Moody really does enter like amongst like lightning and <laughs> it's very dramatic. Yeah, so dramatic. <laughs> he has a whole thing earlier on in the book where you learn about him before he shows up. Yeah. So that's why right off the bat, Ron is like, no, it's Mad-Eye Moody. And you're like, how the fuck did you know this, Ron? <laughs> but in the book, it's this whole thing where someone broke into his house and set off booby traps. Yeah. And which later on makes sense because as you've learned, real Moody is trapped in Barty Crouch Jr.'s trunk and it's the whole Polyjuice Potion thing. So that's a little bit of a clue that something's up with Moody where you just kind of lose that in the film. So he shows up. Ron says, that's Mad-Eye Moody. I think Hermione says, oh, the famous Auror, which is a wizard cop, basically. And Dean Thomas goes, Auror? Like, what? I I get that Dean (laughs) is 
mixed. I think one of his parents is a muggle and one of his parents is a wizard. But yeah, for him to so. not know what aura is, is very strange. Yeah. You're in the car with your friend and you get pulled over be like, what's this car with the lights on? I'm <laughs> very confused. This isn't Dean's first year. No. This is Dean's fourth year in the school and he doesn't know what the wizard police is. <laughs> so wild. Yeah, there's absolutely, especially with everything that like happened at the World Cup, like aurors definitely would have been in the news a bunch and yeah, there's just no way. Like, I get why they Which were I trying think, to explain to the audience. Yeah, I think so much of this movie is just world building. Like, right. this being yes. the world building movie. So totally. people are just going to be dumb in it so the audience can get information. Yeah. It's very strange. And the part that doesn't make sense to me is, why didn't you just have Harry ask? Yes, because yeah. Harry's, Harry's the one. But I guess this is, and this movie is, I think, the worst at it. I think this might be it. That, I believe, is the only line said by a black person in the whole film. Yeah, I think that's right. There's other POCs that have lines, but I'm pretty sure Dean's the only black person. And his only line is, or, with a question mark. Lee Jordan's not in this movie. My other best friend who I met at LeakyCon this past weekend. movies. I was really sad. Two, I think, and then never again. They pretty much just make him Quidditch announcer, and that's about it. And he's a really fun character, but also Luke Youngblood, the actor. He's the nicest guy. Oh Oh my gosh, he's so sweet. (laughs) At one point, we were grabbing drinks, and we got on the topic of me being engaged, and he. And made me tell him the story. He like grabbed both of my hands and was like, that's the sweetest story I've ever heard. That's so awesome. Wait, his name is Luke Youngblood? Luke Youngblood. That is dope as hell. It's a good name. Yeah. (laughs) So now he's he's really sweet. And he's like doing big things now too. He does a bunch of voice acting now. Oh, that's awesome. He kept talking about these projects that he wasn't allowed to tell people about. I was like, oh, wow, fun, cool. But no, he's super nice. And yeah, he was also just cut from the movie yeah which is a bummer doesn't lee end up commentating a lot of the triwizard events because they don't do quidditch in the fourth year because of the tournament i don't know if he ends up commentating but i do know that in the fourth and the fifth book and starting with the third two he becomes more looped in with fred and george as kind of the third musketeer yeah i think more so than the first two it's like oh fred and george they're funny they play pranks every now and then but once fred and george establish themselves as some of the more popular people in school yeah i think lee jordan has more of a presence of doing pranks with them and being silly with them and getting into similar hijinks and stuff like that totally but yeah just kind of reduced. Yep. Womp womp. Mm. So yeah, Dean doesn't know what the police is. Cool. <laughs> and later on, Barty Crouch Sr. is there to talk about the Triwizard Tournament when they're explaining how the goblet works and everything. And he's just doing this weird thing with his hands. If oh, anyone yeah. wants to watch it, you can go to 21 minutes and 50 yeah. seconds of the film. <laughs> That is why we talked. This is the second episode. We didn't get 20 minutes in. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, which makes sense. I think so many of my problems are with the beginning of the film. But yeah, yeah. wow. That's going to be great when I tell people, hey, oh if, my you, God. if you want to watch for the first movie episode of Powerless, just watch 20, 20 minutes. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> great to be on part two of 12 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Oh, my God. We still have two hours and 10 minutes of the film to discuss. But yeah, he's he's just doing this weird, awkward, I don't know what to do with my hands, finger twingling. That's yeah. very strange. Barty Crouch Sr. is super awkward in this film. Yeah. Which I guess weird. is the point, but it's very strange. Yeah. So then when they are announcing how the Triwizard Tournament works in the Goblet of Fire, there's this big stack of vague boxes that yeah. kind of cover it but they do a spell to make it disappear and it doesn't just disappear it does so slowly and it makes a noise and it's not just a noise but it's a dude moaning 
like when they do the spell, I'll editing Mike put in what the noise is. But when they do the spell to put it in and it disintegrates, it kind of goes like. <laughs> I did I not like I it. That. It made me very uncomfortable. I was not a fan. <laughs> Hey, editing Mike here. I'm just going to play the clip from the movie when they reveal the Goblet of Fire. Kind of gross, right? Anyway, back to the podcast. I remember like watching this and if you watch Michael Gambon, who's, who's playing Dumbledore, when it like it's unveiled and the flame comes out. Obviously, when he's there, there's nothing there to him to react off of. And it's the most blank stared and then like surprised by what he's seeing thing I've ever seen. Like, it's really (laughs) awkward. Yeah. It's the struggle of having to react to something that you can't see, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. This is something similar to a scene I noticed in the Quidditch World Cup is that they show a scene, a reaction shot to the Bulgarians flying in. Someone in the background, I think one of the twins goes, oh, it's the Bulgarians. And then they cut to all the kids. And it's just this very vague reaction of excitement. (laughs) Like the director just told them, be excited. Because they all act a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Ginny does like a, oh, wow. Like she saw a good play. The twins are just generally happy. Ron looks impressed. (laughs) They all interpreted the direction very differently. So yeah, I get it. But speaking of the guy who's playing Dumbledore here, he's still yelling so much. He only yells in this movie. Screaming every line like, dude. Just simmer it down. We're all here. (laughs) I don't know if this is like a book thing or a taste thing, because obviously having only really seen the movies, uh, the first Dumbledore, that was Richard... Harris, Harris wasn't he? Yeah. he did kind of like a like a soft spoken Santa Claus kind the of thing. Of yeah. Fire, yeah, I I actually love the sort of unhinged Michael Gambon, <laughs> like weird shouting, we, like unpredictable. I love everything about it. So I may be in a small you minority, are in the minority. Of it, but you I definitely sure are in the minority. When he just shouts, I I like how Michael Gambon has like a slight edge to him because especially as you get into the the later books Dumbledore becomes a much more complicated figure but his performance in this movie is straight up insane (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what book he read I kind of think he didn't read the book he didn't they interviewed him he said he didn't read the source (gasps) material and he basically based his interpretation off of a headmaster of his back when he was in boarding school that just yelled all the time that's a bad way to approach a role (laughs) it's also a children's book you could read it in like two days and you're getting paid millions of dollars Read the, read the fucking f- book. Read the source <laughs> material, you lazy piece of shit. It's not hard. You look at all these other preps. People lose tons of weight or gain tons of weight. Michael B. Jordan works out eight times a day and eats nothing but steak and rice and broccoli for a year to get buff as hell to be Creed. This guy's like, ah, they wanted me to read a children's novel and I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. So yeah, just yells all the time. Then we get the iconic after Harry gets chosen in the book, Brigham. They go to this little side room. And and the room that they do it in the movie is weird. It's this trophy room with all yeah. these obscure yeah. trophies and things like making noise and clocks and sparks are flying out of stuff. I'm very confused. But they go into this room. And in the book, what happens is Dumbledore just kind of goes in and they're just trying to figure out what happens. Maxime and Karkarov are very upset because obviously Hogwarts now has a higher chance to win. Yeah, and they're accusing Harry of rigging something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. 
But Dumbledore is kind of taking Harry's side because he knows Harry and he understands that Harry wouldn't try to willingly get himself murdered. So he <laughs> calmly asks, and the narrator says, calmly asks, Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? But Caps Lock Dumbledore in the fourth movie is just like, give us your picture name in the Goblet of Fire! Like all Caps Lock, no spaces. <laughs> and like grabs him by the scruff of his shirt. And bumps him and, into some of the trophies. Yeah, which is like a a, a completely bonkers way for a headmaster to treat a student. 100%. And B, misses the entire point. Like, this is where I'm like, Michael Gavin, you are a bad actor because you missed, like, you didn't understand the source material. And like, and also I think the director failed too because Dumbledore is the only person who trusts and believes Harry in that scene. Mm -hmm. And that is so important because Harry is like, I didn't do this. I didn't do this. And everybody, including Ron, is convinced that he did this for the glory. Right. And Dumbledore is the only person who's like, no, like, tell me what happened. Like, did you actually put your name in? Mm -hmm. And Harry's like, no. And Dumbledore's like, okay. I I took that as he wasn't like angry at him or something. He was so freaked out and realizing like how dire the situation was that he was like unhinged that moment. Like, tell, did you do that? Did you do, like, we need to know what's going on. So I actually didn't, I didn't mind. Again, I think I'm going to, I'm going to keep stepping up to bat for Michael Gammon for this. Cause <laughs> Good, I, we need, we freaking need the support, love it. So it's not just one sided, but yeah. the vibe I got was that he was about to beat the shit out of Harry. <laughs> yeah. It just felt. <laughs> tell me Harry doesn't deserve it though. You know? I mean, listen, <laughs> Harry's really annoying sometimes, <laughs> but yeah, it just doesn't feel like a valid interpretation of that character in this in this book at all. I don't know. Mm. It, it just, it feels very, very strange. And it's weird that even Daniel Radcliffe like sort of allowed that to happen. I know that he was a child in this, you know, but like, I would have been like, yo, dude, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Tone it down, please. <laughs> like, can we talk about the relationship between Dumbledore and Harry? It's only the most important relationship in the entire book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then a later on scene, it's the one time they go to class in this whole movie <laughs> is when Moody is doing the unforgivable curses. Oh my God, I love the this scene. It's a great so scene. It's good. Much. And it's actually pretty true to form represented in in the books. Yeah. One thing that stood out to me is really funny, though, is he's like, the unforgivable curses. And they are named so because. And he calls on Hermione. And then she, the first thing she says is, because they're unforgivable. Like, <laughs> you think? <laughs> what? And then she later on clarifies, or she starts to even say that if you're caught doing one, but then Moody interrupts and goes, you'll land in Azkaban. So it's like, that is a horrible answer. <laughs> this is probably my favorite scene in the entire movie, because like the build up the the way he sort of like presents the first one uh mm-hmm. the first spell where it's like everyone's laughing and it's funny and then he just record screeches it by like flinging the thing against the glass and like making it all very serious mm-hmm. and then it just gets worse and yeah. worse and worse the actor mm-hmm. is so good in this it's bonkers he's yeah. fantastic and it really steps out of when he brings Neville up about the Cruciatus yes. curse because as you learn later on Neville's parents were tortured and it makes it even worse in knowing the plot twist that it's Barty Crouch Jr., a Death Eater that's really doing this because he calls Neville up to fuck with Neville. I never really thought about that. Yeah, so he was one of the people that tortured Neville's parents with Bellatrix. They were all on trial for that same thing. That's right. So it is super messed up. Whenever I think about Moody in these scenes, I always forget that it's actually Barty Crouch Jr. Right? Because he's sort of grooming Harry for this thing, you really grow to like Moody in this yeah. book. You, he, oh, he, yeah. And he like pulls Neville aside eventually and talks to him, and you think like, oh, like you know, he he's trying to look out for Neville, and he gives him this book about herbology as like a comfort, and it's like, no, he's actually just trying to manipulate Neville into finding the gillyweed, mm-hmm. and like, 
Well, yeah. in the book, not necessarily because the gillyweed comes from Dobby. Dobby gives it to him, but I thought I thought oh, Neville, Neville told him told about it. Told him about it. Yeah, I think that might be it. I, th- I still like, think Neville that was gets the point. into herbology because Moody gives him the book after the whole Cruciatus thing. I think. Yeah, I mean, aside from like the Death Eater thing, I <laughs> would be interested in having Barty teach at Hogwarts. I, I think he's honestly he's, got, he's you know? <laughs> the most effective defense against dark arts teacher after Lupin. Also, he should just get cast in movies. Yeah, yeah. in the Wizarding World, he's an incredible method actor. That's pretty much <laughs> so, what he's yeah, doing. Exactly. So true to form. <laughs> Also, another thing that's great in the scene is when Moody sees Seamus chewing gum and trying to put it under the desk and yeah. uses the magic eye to see it and then throws something at him Throws afterwards. the chalk. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's, it's, this is, I think, one of my favorite scenes, too. It's really effective. Mm-hmm. Also in the scene, it's one of the first instances of a clue that it's not really moody because he's giving the lesson and then at one point he does the trademark tongue teeth thing that Barty Crouch Jr. keeps doing where he's like ah, ah, like little oh, snake yeah. stuff. So Moody does that once and then immediately after drinks Polyjuice Potion. So looking back as you know the plot to us when I was watching this I was I caught it. I was like oh ah, I <laughs> yeah. see what they're doing here. <laughs> so yeah after the scene Neville is still kind of shook up and this is where Moody brings him aside. Hermione is also shook up from the class because they do a Vodka and all of that. But then the movie shows a stained glass window of a crying, crying. man yeah. with the rain perfectly hitting it to fall down from the dude's eye. That was a bit much movie. <laughs> a little bit. It's a little bit much. <laughs> Just a little on the nose. So later on, we get the scene with the twins trying to put their name in the Goblet of Fire. That whole scene is just great. Really the twins fun. really step it up in this movie. So yeah. good. They make them so fun. So that was really cool. Well, is there more in the book about like the, the thing that kind of bugged me in this movie where like the twins were actively trying to like cheat the system yes. and get it in and everyone's like rooting for him. And then when people are assuming that Harry cheated to get into it, they all like lose their minds and like hate him. Yeah. That's true. It kind of bugged me that it was like, oh, well you were like rooting for the other ones. Is it you're just like jealous of Harry or, or you know? I have yeah. No idea. I, I think it's that the twins are like a lot closer in age, right? They're only, they're only year, one year yeah, off. Yeah, they're only one year yeah. off. I think actually they're only like a couple months really from their yes. 17th birthday. Also like what are the consequences of that spell? Because they age really fast and I was like, are we about to see them die <laughs> like, like, I'm sure they go to reverse it quick yeah I think it's like fixed. a superficial aging thing I don't think it actually cool. like ages you mm-hmm. but I also think that just because Harry is already like the savior of the wizarding world that it's like oh now you need this to be the champion again. too yeah. versus the twins it's like they know that they would kind of just like I think I think also the twins like knew that they wouldn't be chosen even if they did put their name yeah. in right, it was more yeah. of like the activity of trying to cheat the system yeah. that makes sense yeah, yeah. So that's a whole really fun scene. And then later on when they're actually, oh, I've now realized I talked about the did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire thing earlier, but I got ahead of myself because they just (laughs) reveal the Goblet of Fire and then when it's actually chosen because they have the whole week to put it in. But when they're actually doing this unveiling it's so dramatic because yeah. Dumbledore first does this thing with his hand to turn off all of the lanterns in the room. And then he does a spin move to point at the Triwizard Cup. And then a curtain flies up and he says, yeah, you will win. Spin move. The Triwizard Cup. Fling. Like it's so Michael Gambit is doing too much. <laughs> <laughs> the theatrics are just off the roof. So... Yeah, then we get the, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire thing? I do like at one point, Madame Maxime is running in angrily and there's a lantern that's in her way. She, and she swats just slaps it, it out yeah. of the way. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and also another thing in the scene that I really like is after the name is called and Harry like is like awkwardly walking up and stuff. There's just that shot of Ron sitting in like glaring oh, oh, at rooting. Harry yeah. and it's so good because that's like the jealousy that Ron has for Harry is like one of the most interesting aspects of their friendship and so yeah. I, I really I thought that was like a very effective shot yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so a little bit later on in the movie Rita Skeeter comes in oh. she introduces herself as a character I think they did a great job of making her so hateable yes she was so well cast I think they also did a good job of reducing her role but not too much mm-hmm. in the book it's a little more fleshed out but you still get the gist of her in the movie yeah. she's basically a news reporter that is not accurate <laughs> I will say that and no further but I think they get that point across well in the movie without you know putting too much of her in and, totally. and you lose some stuff but you get the weird her and Harry in the broom closet with yeah. the quick quill and all that and it's fun but yeah incredible casting there yeah, for sure really good. they get the best actors in these films because like Miranda Richardson is so good and she's like prolific she's in a ton of films what else has she been in uh, she she was like in Sleepy Hollow she was in uh, the Phantom of the Opera movie too but oh, like wow. she's she's so good yeah she's really really great in that role and the costuming is perfect too it's really Really good. I gotta say, as someone that now has done this, I did zero hours. I recorded it with the Wolf 359 team, long story short productions, as I think they're (laughs) calling it for that. And spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't listened to my episode of Zero Hours, but I turn out to be a villain in the end. And it was very fun basically just to come in, do a thing, record for a couple hours, and then just leave of being a villain. Yeah. It's so fun yeah. for not a extended period of time. It's like, all right, come in, one day of shooting, you're just going to be a dick, and yeah. then leave. <laughs> and and that's the thing they get. Like The guy who played Gilderoy Lockhart is a world-renowned oh, stage Kenneth actor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my he's, God. He's, he's amazing. like a knighted sir, and he just yeah. comes and it's like, all right, you're just going to be a pompous, self-obsessed Jerk. <laughs> I'm convinced it's just Kenneth Brown actually playing himself. Like oh, I no. Well, no. I think that was like a commentary a on him. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I think it was a commentary on him that they cast him. I don't think Kenneth Brown. I was like aware of the fact that. Oh, no. I don't think Kenneth Brown was a bad dude. Okay. I just think he's like he thinks a lot of himself, okay. right? It, like okay. he, I and yeah. I say this as a huge Kenneth Brown fan. Okay. Like I'm the only person I've ever met who likes the first Thor movie, which he directed. <laughs> oh my god. And yeah. other than his Hamlet, which I think is trash, um, all of his other Shakespearean movies, especially like Much Ado About Nothing with Emma Thompson, he's wonderful in. But like, uh, don't forget his Frankenstein movie where he cast Robert De Niro as his monster and Helena Bonham Carter as his wife. What? So good. I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, it's amazing. De Niro. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But I do think that like I don't know if you if you've heard this too, Brigham, but he does seem like he's a little bit of a prick. Yeah. 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 But anyway, I think it's gotta be so fun for her to come in and just be this obnoxious, over the top journalist in heavy quotation marks. (laughs) So I think it's good that they get big actors to do it. I mean, even David Tennant as Barney Crouch Jr., that's such a minor role and he's Doctor Who. It's huge. So later on, we get the scene where Harry gets the letter from Sirius. I do think it's very convenient that Gary Oldman never makes his face shown in this movie. It's (laughs) just his voice and him as a fireplace. Yep. (laughs) But one note, and I don't remember if this is in the book or not. I I think this is just a movie thing where he gets the letter from this other bird and then it goes, P.S. And then the bird bites Harry's finger and it goes, the bird bites. It's so fun. I really loved it. (laughs) That was really cute. I couldn't recall if that was in the book, but I laughed audibly when it happened. I was like, ah, that's very good. (laughs) But then another serious scene that's very confusing is when he goes and he's waiting for him to show up in the Gryffindor common room fireplace so they can talk 
is he's reading the newspaper and it's a, the Rita Skeeter article. Mm. And at least in the movie, she starts narrating it. Yeah. And you think this is just the movie trope of person who wrote the thing is narrating the thing. But then when Harry gets angry <laughs> and he crumples it up, she starts yelling frantically and then gets muffled. Yeah. So is this a wizarding oh, world thing where <laughs> when you read stuff, it's audibly said to you? Like, does everything turn into audiobooks? That's just something where it was such a minor thing oh, and it made yeah. me think for way too long about it. Yeah. That didn't register with me that that happens. But you're right. Yeah. It does feel like the newspaper is actually talking. Right. So maybe it's a wizard thing where when you read, it becomes narrated in your brain. So then you don't have to read. I don't know. Uh, it was really weird. Yeah, that feels like a thing that they just thought would like be cool and like uh, show Harry's state of mind. But they've opened Pandora's box. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Pandora's box is open, I need to get these ad reads in quick because I have contracts that I need to oblige to. Hates me editing, Mike. It's time for Wingardium Adridosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Wix. Let's say hypothetically that you host a very popular Harry Potter podcast, but your mom's never listened to the show because she doesn't understand how podcasts work, but she does understand how websites work. So what are you going to do? You're going to make a website that hosts your podcast. How are you going to do that? You're going to use Wix. Wix is great. I use Wix for the Potterless website. I use it for the horse website. I use it for my personal website, and I genuinely love it. We've been using it for years. It's incredibly reliable. It's fantastic. Making the website is super easy. They have over 400 templates, so whatever you're going for, they have, and it's very easy to change the colors, the fonts, the text layout. Updating pages is very simple. Adding new things, moving it around, copy-pasting, it's great. They have so many different features. You can add video backgrounds and moving animated visual backgrounds, and they have a bunch of built-in images so you don't have to have a bunch of stuff ready. It's really solid. And what I really enjoyed about Wix is that there's no time limit on the free version of it, so you can sign up for a Wix free account, do your website, make sure everything looks great, set up all the hyperlinks, whatever it is, and then when you're ready to upgrade to pre premium, you can get 10% off as a Potterless listener, but then you'll get a bunch of features. You can get a custom domain name attached to it. You can add an email service. You can do music things, more storage, higher bandwidth, or things that make your website go faster. I don't even have the technical terms, but as a Potterless listener, you can get 10% off if you go to potterlesspodcast.com slash Wix and click the link. Then at checkout, you'll get 10% off. So again, go to potterlesspodcast.com slash Wix, click that link, get 10% off, and you can upgrade your site that talks about your podcast so that your mom will actually listen to it before the live show in Houston, which will be her first time listening to it because she doesn't know how to listen to it today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the market marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club 
club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are. So it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want. And then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash potter. Listen, wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slap pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you want to collect some cards or rip open some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. So they do the whole fireplace scene. Harry's mad at Ron, blah, 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 blah. They go to the dragons eventually. And Hagrid is showing Harry that the dragons are going to be in the next task. Sadly, no Charlie Weasley, which is a true crime. He shows up in the books, not the movies. But there's a thing where Hagrid, his hair is all combed and stuff because he's going to meet Maxime and wants to impress her. And just such a fun line when Harry goes, Hagrid, you've combed your hair. And he goes, you should try the same every once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Which is especially good because the hair is bad. Yes. (laughs) Extremely true. They've also added Karkarov into the scene, which doesn't happen in the book, which is part of the intrigue of Karkarov and Crumb is that you get the vibe that Karkarov is more scummy because at one point Karkarov gives him too high of a score even when he messes up the dragon thing but then this is another angle where Crumb knows it's dragons but then you have to wonder how did he know it was dragons because no one was there so then you got it 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 raises more suspicion about Karkarov in the books because he is in the running in this battle of red herrings of who is guilty whereas (laughs) in the movie that doesn't really exist it's just where did Barty Crouch Jr. go is really the question. Right. So I think it was a little sad that they didn't have as much Karkarov suspicion in there. I feel like he yeah. wasn't even suspect at all. He's just weird and has fake bad teeth in the movie. And that's well, about they, it. They had a weird insert scene where like the Goblet of Fire is like alone in a room and he walks in by himself and shuts the doors and makes like a weird face. Uh, I remember oh, that. Yeah. And that felt pretty heavy handed. But yeah. Yeah. And it's like, what is that? suggesting that he's doing you know i think it was like that he put harry's name in the mm, goblet that could be it right yeah yeah which i i mean i guess like is because the whole the whole thing with Cargroff in the book is that he's he's was a death theater right? right and he's like worried that voldemort is coming back but he's not actually trying to achieve anything really right he's just scared yeah so something in the movie that I think is done much better than the book is the Potter Stinks badges. My interpretation yeah. <laughs> of how they were in the book is that it just was text, like a pager, <laughs> like those <laughs> generic signs that just said Potter Stinks. But in the movie, there are these pins and it's got Harry's face and it gets farty and deflaty yeah. and it, noises and all this. It's so good. It's very it spins. Good. It's very fun. 
Also, just of all the people that look pretty rough in this film, Harry-wise, Tom Felton as Draco looks great. He's got a suit on in the Quidditch World Cup. That's His true. hair looks really good. Yeah. And I feel like in the first couple movies, the Malfoy hair was just gross and gelled really tight and slicked back. But his hair in this one looks really good. So. <laughs> yeah. Par- props to Malfoy. For yeah, he's winning. It together. In that whole like quad scene when when Harry goes up to Cedric and like Cedric's like laughing with with all of his friends and everything, I don't know if I'm not like it looks like because he's laying down on the bench. It always looked to me like Cedric's head was resting on this boy that was sitting there as well, and then he comes oh. up. So in my mind, I was going off that like Cedric had a thing with this boy. I don't know if you guys ever noticed that. Cedric is now by its official canon. I mean, yeah. hey, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there for you to read. <laughs> oh, I love it. There's a lot of Harry Cedric fanfics, mm-hmm. but I've never I've never read any of it, but I know that it exists because that's a big a big thing with the mm-hmm. the fourth book. That's fun. Yeah, Ooh, I have to go back and watch that scene. I, didn't <laughs> I know. I, I, didn't, I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> so they go and they're doing the first Triwizard tournament event with the dragons. And one thing that I thought was interesting is that. Cedric and Harry have specific robes for this event. And yeah. I am surprised I've not seen more people cosplaying as those specific robes. I feel like I see the Quidditch robes a lot, but their particular robes are different where yeah. they're half red, half black for Harry or yeah. half yellow, half black for Cedric. And they look really cool. And I was surprised that those aren't for sale at Universal Studios or whatever, the specific Trivers or Twinning ones. So it's just like, oh, I don't remember seeing these a whole lot before. Yeah, hmm. that's a good point. So then we get to Harry actually starting it, and it's already been established. He had that side conversation with Moody about you have the wand so you can get the broom, and that's basically yeah. the plan going into it. So you're going to do Accio broom. And they really drag this scene out a lot. So, a lot. so much. In yeah. the book, it's quick. It's, it's like very four pages. Fast. Yeah, it's, and <laughs> really? that's part of the thing is it's supposed yeah. to be impressive that Harry does it so quickly, and yeah. that's why he gets a high score because it's oh my like God. nothing. And he does it without you know destroying half of Hogwarts. <laughs> right, and that's why he is. Everyone's impressed that oh wow, not only did Harry survive, but he gets second place. I think. Or does he get first place? I think place? he gets first place. He has the fastest time, right? right? Yeah, so that's part wow. of the intrigue is that, oh, not only did he survive, but he is killing it. Yeah. But I thought it was so funny that he's hiding from the dragon. It's shooting fire, all this stuff. And Hermione has to scream, your wand, Harry, your wand. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's, uh, how do you forget? Yeah. You're a wizard. <laughs> I'm a wand. Yeah, in the, in the book, it's literally like he goes out. He says, Accio Broom. And then he just stands there and everybody in the stadium is like, why is he just standing there? What's going on? And then he gets on the broom and he like darts underneath the dragon's legs, get the egg, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's Boom. the whole thing. Chip, chop, chip. Oh. Yeah, in the movie, it's oh, drawn out. He flies away. They break the chain. He's on Hogwarts. He gets hit by the tail. And in the movie, there's this very obvious cut where they were doing a stunt scene because he's on the broom and he gets hit with the tail. And then it's just a cut to no broom in sight, like not flying away. And it's just someone sliding down the roof. So it's a very <laughs> obvious cut. <laughs> then the broom is stuck on top of what I learned in an earlier recording when we were doing movie two, a dormer, which is a extended little window that oh. has... Oh, yeah. The paneling, it's in a lot of suburban homes. We had an architecture correspondent where my fiance Kelly talked about it because she's an architect. (laughs) Yes, amazing. So now I know what dormers are, and there's a dormer in this movie. (laughs) Good. And then after this task ends, Harry gets the, the gold egg, everyone's happy. You've got this character who is in two scenes in the movie, and I don't know why, because he's not in the books. 
Hey, Lauren, who the fuck is Nigel? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, who is, is this? Is this the director's kid or something? <laughs> it's the little one, right? The yeah, little, he's just little this guy? little kid that apparently Ron told he would get Harry his autograph and he's annoying. And That's he's in right. three-ish scenes and he's just there. He's Colin Creevy adjacent. I was about to say, because Colin Creevy has a younger brother, Dennis Creevy, right? Yes. And Dennis... Ends up dying. Colin ends up dying. Colin ends up dying. But um, it is a thing that Colin is annoying in movie two. Yeah. And then his brother comes in and then he and his brother are a little annoying. Colin, not so much. Dennis, definitely so in year four. Yeah. So I guess this is filling the gap of that. But why is he <sighs> Nigel now? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I really, I really can't explain it. I, yeah. <sighs> Yeah, I forgot that he wasn't really a character in the books, but he's not. It's it's very much Dennis Creevy. Yeah. Yeah. And Colin Creevy was in the second movie. Yeah. So I don't know why they had to just decide, no, 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 he's Nigel He's now. Nigel now. <laughs> also, another thing um, about this movie that was definitely, when I saw it, was like thrilling, was the reaching into the bag and getting little live dragon <gasps> yeah, figurines yeah, yeah, yeah. was always something that I always really really wanted, and the way they do it in the movie is actually like really wonderful CGI. So that was a, cool. that was that was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Chinese fireball is my favorite. It's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. So right after this scene, they're in the cafeteria, the the great slash grand hall, which we will never <laughs> learn what it actually is. Who's to say? But Ron gets his dress robes in the mail and in the book he just gets them in the beginning it's part of going to school is that his mom packs his dress robes and he's embarrassed right off the bat and even getting them now it makes sense because then they talk about the yule ball and they introduce it and give all the explanation but i never understood why ron didn't not wear these (laughs) you can transfigure them to make them look different you are old enough to go to hogsmeade and just go to a store and buy different clothes i've book movie whatever i've never understood why ron is forced to wear these well he i guess it's money yeah he he has no money right and he's not a good enough wizard probably to completely transfigure them couldn't he ask his older brothers, oh, they would mess it up. Could he yeah. ask Hermione? But to... I think he's too embarrassed, right? He doesn't want to like ask Hermione to help him out with his oh, with his clothes, right? Because he has a crush on her, and, with her. and yeah, and he's like mad at her because she has this flirtation with Crumb. But he does in the in the book at least he does take the most of the lace off, right? right? And yeah, but it yeah. ends up kind of because he he doesn't do like good cuts with his wand, it kind of mm-hmm. ends up looking a little bit shoddy. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm assuming that it's like a dress code, like you have to attend the Yule Ball in dress robes or something. I guess. Yeah. I just never understood why he didn't alter them or or try to make them look a little better. So something that they add in the movie, this isn't in the book at all. The whole scene where McGonagall teaches them about the Yule Ball and teaches them how to dance. You know, the only other time they go to class in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I am here for this extra scene. I have this long established policy here at Potterless that more McGonagall is fine. I don't care that she was in the Fantastic Beast movie, even though she's not supposed to be born yet or is an infant or whatever. Every time we get more McGonagall in the mix, I am happy. And I loved this. Of course, the iconic line where she says, you don't want to be dancing like a bunch of blabbering, bubbling, Bumbling band baboons. of buffoons or whatever yeah. it is. Oh, yeah. it's so fun. I forgot that the scene wasn't in the book. I think it's a scene that I've liked so much that yeah. I've like imposed it onto my memory of the fourth book. It's it not is, there at all. It is really delightful. It's very much Groundhog News Report Lion King, where uh, it wasn't in the original thing, but it was in a later thing, because that just comes from the Lion King musical. Good reference. I don't, I don't know what no, you're talking about. I've seen the Lion King musical, but it's been... 
19 years. <laughs> There's the scene, I do not like it, but it was made for the musical where it's the groundhog is they're talking about the weather or the it's news. It's all like puns and stuff. Yeah. And it's in the new movie? So I don't know if it's in the new CGI-ish one, but if you buy a certain version of the Lion King animated one, they animated the scene and then put yeah. it into oh, it, but it looks weird. really different and all the voice acting is not the same because, you know, Jonathan Taylor Thomas is 30 now. Yeah. So... <laughs> They got somebody else. I was always very confused of why it's in some editions. I think because of that, it has a negative rep. I don't think people enjoy it as much. That's fair. Because it's not (laughs) canon. (laughs) (laughs) So this scene, adding it great. One of the next scenes that they have that they completely butcher, which makes me so sad, is the Angelina Johnson getting asked by Fred to the Yule Ball scene. Yes. So it's still kind of fun in the movie, but Brigham, in the book, it is so much more fun. Yeah. So it starts with Fred making fun of Ron for not having a date yet, and he does still pass him that note saying, which is still kind of gross. It's like all the good ones will be gone if you don't hurry up. It's still not great. But Ron gets defensive, and he asks Fred, well, who are you going to take to the ball? And he goes, hold on one second. And then he just stands up and then across the great slash grand hall just screams, Oi, Angelina! And then she turns around and is like, you want to go with the ball with me? And then she goes, yeah, sure. (laughs) It's so much better. Yeah, and it's not like... Like it's it's this scene is like kind of cute him like kind of miming it out and her is bit you know like nodding and stuff but it's the way that like she reacts is more sort of like you know twirling her hair like oh yeah sure I'll go with you Fred versus like in the book she's very much like yeah all right yeah, yeah whatever that's fun. Uh, whatever uh, that's cool it's so much and more like they fun. end up no they don't end up getting married because I think <laughs> she ends up marrying George, George which is weird. But we don't know how established their relationship was. Blah, right. blah. Yeah. I kind of love this scene because they were all like studying or doing some schoolwork. So it was kind of like all hushed voices because mm-hmm. the thing that yeah. I really got from the scene was more Snape shoving the boys' heads down. This is the right scene, right? Yes. Where, yeah. It's yeah. confusing in context because they don't establish what class they're in. Yeah. yeah. And also there's people of all different years in the same class. So yeah. I don't know what is the the context of it in the movie makes no sense. I think it was just an excuse to have Alan Rickman do the sort of like he, he pulls on his much. cuffs as he walks up to them and shoves their heads down. I yeah. love the shit out and of it. Then that. he hits them in the back of the head with a newspaper. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He is not basically in this movie at all, right. but I think they needed to keep him in because like really the thing in that he does in the book is like it's always him and Karkaroff like right. sort of in corners talking about like can you, yeah, stuff. can you feel it? You know, it's, it's hurting again, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's very weird. They're like in closets together being like, do you feel it? It's burning. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's like this is essentially supposed to be what a study hall, which they don't do in the books. And mm-hmm. I mean, and this, I think, speaks to like a larger weird thing that they cut out of the movies, which is that they're never really in the common room as like a bunch of students, like other than like the one Quidditch party they have later on. And the trio studying. There are a lot of scenes in the books that are like all of the Gryffindor students just kind of hang out in the common room together that Mm -hmm. don't really exist in the movies. Hmm. Yeah, they kind of cut out a lot. But especially with this scene in particular at LeakyCon in Dallas, I had Tiana Benjamin, who played Angelina Johnson on, and I asked her about this particular scene. So I'm going to cut that audio in editing. Nice. Very cool. There was meant to be a bit more about the ball. Because uh, they had like these shards of ice, and he was supposed to like grab it and let a bit of it trickle down my back, and they cut it because <gasps> they thought it was a bit too suggestive. <sighs> and like, I was like, 
Give me something. Hi. <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm lucky I was in it. Do you know what can I say? But I know I know what you mean. But that would be greedy. <laughs> One thing that disappointed me was that, like in the books, the way that Fred asks Angelina to the ball is that he just stands up and just screams like, Oi, Angelina, you want to go to the ball? And in the movie, he like throws a piece of paper. I, know, I, know, I, know. I, I feel like it would have been more fun. But by throwing the piece of paper, you got to go from like, you had the death stare at him, which like, how many times did they like tell you specifically, like, look like you want to murder this man? Because <laughs> you do a very good like, who is this guy, stank face, and it's very fun. Well, the thing is, is that Snape's in the scene and we're in detention. So the the implication is that he'll get me in trouble but I don't oh. think we get that but uh-huh. it's fine <laughs> but then you do give a good like oh yeah uh-huh. <laughs> just from like a filming perspective like how many times did it take to like shoot something like that like was it just like one and done boom or was it like oh, no. no no be angrier <laughs> yeah we did it a lot of times because he went like this and then I did it back and then mm-hmm. Mike came over and was like you look like you're saying like your boobs <laughs> So there's always been a bit of a, like, don't be too suggestive. Yeah. Well, it's hard, especially because you you were playing an older character, and then, like, the movies get more and more yeah. suggestive as they go. And then the sixth one, they're just like, everybody's making out. So... <laughs> You're just a few, two movies too early. <laughs> wow, wasn't that fun? <laughs> then later on, we get into the whole Ron, Hermione beginning of their beef with each other yeah. mm-hmm. of Ron being an absolute prat and <laughs> Hermione not putting up with it. And I get that the point of this is that it's supposed to be yikes on Ron, but it's really yikes. It's uncomfortable to watch yeah. Yeah. With him just assuming Hermione doesn't have a date yet. And then even when Hermione says she has a date before the Yule Ball starts, when they don't know where Hermione is, he says, oh, she had to have been lying about it. There's no way she actually got a date. It's super gross. Yeah, it's funny because they didn't really change that much, I feel like, from the book. I think the difference is like the framing, right? When you're not in Harry's POV, it just seems like Ron is being an asshat, which he is. But then like when you're in Harry's POV in the book, there's... Like, Harry, he's not quite accepting it yet, but he, like, kind of understands that, like, this is coming from a place of Ron not, like, owning up to his feelings about Hermione. Yeah. And so it's, like, it's kind of couched in jealousy versus, like, malice. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you don't have that context of the way that Harry is viewing it, it just seems like malice. Yeah. It's, I feel like in the book it's more of, negligence they just don't realize that Hermione yeah. is a person that they could ask because it's like oh Hermione is our friend yeah and in the movie it just is yeah it feels more malicious from yeah. Ron. it feels more intentional yeah, yeah. And it's it feels gross. really bad so but you know what's great crumb he looks incredible <laughs> his yeah. Yule Ball outfit is fantastic he's got this fur sash of sorts with a gold chain holding it together oh my gosh here's another thing that they needlessly change from the books that like also bothers me, <laughs> which is that Hermione's dress in the movie is pink and in the book it's like a light blue. Oh, okay. It's like a periwinkle, kind of purplish. Yeah, yeah. And it just it just feels like a She's oh, a girl. Well, she's gotta a girl. She's pink. gotta wear pink. And it's like, ugh. <laughs> so tired. Yeah, they also lose out on one of the worst things in the book. There's a scene where there's a mishap in potions class and Hermione's teeth grow really big and then Snape makes fun of her in front of the whole class which is one of my 
big sticking points of why Snape, Snape sucks. Is trash. And that's why I think people that like Snape haven't read the books or forget some yeah. of the things like that. But she goes to Madame Pomfrey and gets her teeth fixed when Pomfrey is putting the teeth back together. She lies about what her teeth used to look like so that they look better. So that, and then in combination of she actually does her hair, mm-hmm. where in the book it's always described that she's this big, bushy, frizzy hair and she just doesn't care about it. Yeah. Doesn't care for putting it together. Now for the Yule Ball, she's actually put it together and then everyone says oh wow she looks so beautiful because she's actually taken the time to put on a dress do her hair etc you lose that a little bit in the movie because emma watson's very attractive and (laughs) has still looked good throughout the whole movies and i was watching a behind the scenes thing and daniel radcliffe even said it was hard to react to that because he was saying emma's already beautiful so now (laughs) we have to like she's more be- and then he even corrects himself he's like well she did look even more beautiful but still like, <laughs> he's so nice but it was so funny he's like it's weird for us to react with her being so pretty because she's already, already so, so pretty. pretty totally well it's like that movie trope where like the the girl takes, <laughs> takes off, off her, her glasses, glasses. Yeah. and she's beautiful and everyone's shocked and you're like oh okay <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I've watched an interview between J.K. Rowling and Daniel Radcliffe, and she says that one of the hardest things with the casting is that when she was doing auditions, Emma was perfect, and she said that this happened with Daniel and Emma. She didn't really say it about Rupert, but it felt like kind of a diss, but she was like, you guys weren't supposed to be good looking, but you were so good at acting, and you happened to be adorable, and then matured into staying very good looking. She said, the way I was written, and this makes sense, is that they're not necessarily the most popular kids in school. They're definitely not. And yeah. I think looks are part of it. it yeah. It's not like they are the quarterback and the head cheerleader, you know. Yeah. It's But it's funny where Hermione's not supposed to be super attractive and then looks good. And that's also part of the mystique and the intrigue of why Crumb wanted to ask her. It's like she's not super hot. But yeah, so I think some of that is lost here because... Yeah. It's Emma Watson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard to to turn her into an ugly duckling. Mm-hmm. So they do the actual dance. Shout out to all the kids. It's fun and doing hard great. dances. There's yeah. lifts involved. They're waltzing. They're doing great. So one thing that doesn't make sense, though, in the books, this makes more sense because it feels like they don't know as much about the Yule Ball dance itself. But in the movie... McGonagall comes up and then says, oh, Harry, you and Parvati have to do the big dance now. And Harry's like, the what? (laughs) And it is funny. She's like, oh, I didn't tell you about the big dance. And he goes, no, you didn't. And then she says, oh, well, I'm telling you now. And then you got to go. But that's still buck wild that they had an entire class about here's what the Yule Ball is. And here's how the dances work. And then you forget the first thing that happens. Yeah. Bonkers. I feel like that lost some of it by adding that extra scene. Yeah, that's a good point. But something really cute from here, Hagrid and Maxime. Oh, yeah. my oh, so sweet. It is so cute. It warms my heart. It's so great. Then also at the scene, you have the Weird Sisters, which is the band, yeah. which I liked less when I found out it wasn't just girls. I was imagining yeah. it being yeah. Wizard Heim. Like yeah, me too. Literal sisters oh, performing God, it would music. be so much better. I think canonically, they're a seven to eight part band where people have all these different instruments yeah but in the movie they are played by i think radiohead wait what stop oh okay i'm on the harry potter wiki for it originally scottish band franz ferdinand the guys who sing take me Uh, out they were first asked to do it and they couldn't 
Radiohead's, uh, according to Google, Radiohead stars Phil Selway and Johnny Greenwood were appearing with Jarvis Cocker as the Weird Sisters for the Yule Ball in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. That's so wild. Hey, it's me, Editing Mike. I wanted to just give the full roster of everyone that's in the Weird Sisters because they got a lot of great British musicians. Actually, Conjuration this past weekend, I did a whole thing about the musicians in Harry Potter. I'll soon be putting that over at Patreon. But in the meantime, here's the full roster of the people that portrayed the Weird Sisters in the movie. Jarvis Cocker of the band Pulp played Myron Wagtail on vocals. Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead played Curly Duke, the lead guitarist. Jason Buckle of All Seeing Eye played Heathcote Barbary, the rhythm guitarist. Steve Mackey of Pulp played Donegan Tremlett, the bassist. Steve Clayton of Add N to X played Gideon Crumb, who is the keyboardist and bagpipe player. And Phil Selway of Radiohead played Orsino Thruston, the drummer. That is the roster of the Weird Sisters. Anyway, back to the podcast. Oh my God. They just got everybody in there. Mm-hmm. Just in Harry Potter. Every famous British person. And they have such a small appearance in this film, but you do get to hear lyrics to the song to uh-huh. do the hippogriff, which is not in the book. <laughs> so if anyone wants to hear the lyrics, uh-huh. I have them pulled up. And uh, there's some talking parts in the beginning where it's like, all right, Hogwarts, are you ready for some real music? I said, are you ready? Like banter yeah. of sorts in the beginning. Then it's incredibly Billy Idol. They're just Billy Idol. Yes. Uh, yes. It sounds exactly like it. And there's even a line in it that feels it. But here are the lyrics. It goes, move your body like a hairy troll, learning to rock and roll. Spin around like a crazy elf, a dancing by himself, which is Billy Idol has the song dancing with myself. Yep. It's, yeah. The delivery is exactly the same. <laughs> I boogie down like a unicorn. No stop until the break of dawn. Fun little half rhyme there. Put your hands up in the air like an ogre. Just don't care. And then <sighs> we get the wonderful chorus. Can you dance the hippogriff? Ma 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 Flying off from a cliff. Ma 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 Swooping down to the ground. Ma 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 Wheel around, around, and around, and around. Ma 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 Move around like a scary ghost, spooking himself the most. Shake your booty like a bogart in pain. Again and again and again and again. Get it on like an angry specter. I think at this point it was cut from the movie, but this might they still probably wrote and performed the whole song. Who's definitely out to get you stamp Ugh. your feet like a leprechaun getting on getting on then it's the chorus and then it says yeah yeah ooh, come on mm, you gotta move it like a groovy creature creature of the night yeah that's right ah a creature of the night well do you feel all right do you feel all right ow yeah and then the chorus again <laughs> someone wrote that song in four minutes <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, wild. So bad. They just had a list of all the creatures that yep. are in. <laughs> oh my god! In the books, and then they just wrote that song. But yeah, Radiohead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to try saying that if because I don't know enough about Radiohead. But if if someone ever asked me what's your favorite Radiohead song, I will say "Do the Hippogriff," which <laughs> <laughs> is in the film. But yeah, wild. So wild. Oh, my God. So on that note, there's nothing else we can do except end this episode. (laughs) We cannot follow this up. So Lauren Brigham, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know last time, Lauren, you talked about your book. Maybe do you want to talk about the Bright Sessions or the AM archives, all the other podcasting things that the two of you have done? Yeah. Listen to all the typical artist shows, the Bright Sessions, the AM archives and ARCs, our D&D actual play podcast. 
at Atypical Artists or atypicalartists.co to find all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's good timing for that because we're kicking off a re-listen campaign uh, through the whole year for right. the Bright Sessions. Yeah. So cool stuff coming. Where it's all in actual canonical order yeah. with a mix of flashbacks and flash forwards and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. cool. I'm excited. It's been a minute since I've listened, so maybe I'll do that. Oh. But thank you <laughs> both so much for coming on. Listeners, thank you for listening. And as they say in the Wizard World of Harry Potter before doing a stage dive at the Weird Sisters Band concert, <gasps> Wizard on! <laughs> Are you planning on coming to the live show in Houston on Thursday and you don't know what the opening act is? Horse, you're unfamiliar with this? Well, you're in luck because I'm going to tell you it's a basketball podcast hosted by me and past guest Eric Silver and we talk about only the silly stuff of the NBA to try to show that anyone can follow basketball, not just dude bro jock sports heads. We talk about player drama, Twitter beefs, uniforms, all the fun stuff to show you that following the NBA is kind of like following reality TV. You can listen on Spotify or wherever else you get podcasts. Just search for Horse. Potterless was created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klobuchar, Charles Klauser, Lopu, Frank Chiodo, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfelio, Abita Med, Rosemary, Dodge, Maria, Lisa C. Keen, Romina Rivadonera, Camille Doc, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Rossanne Batamana, Nikita Power, Taylor Armstead, Ali Madsen, Amelia Krauss, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orca Grove, Vivian, the Owl, Takari, Ront, Haley Hastings, Moster, Angelina Withred, Caitlin Sullivan, Grace Riggles, Raul Pineda, Inga Nodstadter, Mari Wynn, Alex Consilver, John Cocker, Noel Basile, Tao, Emily Tyrell, Robin Fernandez, Will Barrington, Liz Bigelow, Brandon Pickens, Sarah Enslin, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Gloria Gillum, Alicat 29, Veronica Vartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Mark, Lou Frida, Jace Fenson, Ivor Peterson, Naomi Guglielmo, Tyler Latshaw, Summer Rathel, Heather Fleischman, Vera Cullitham, Carrie D. Baggison, Andrea Crock, Lisa Grieven, Lynn Walker, Cameron Watkins, Justin Montero, Christine Saunders, Jacob Parrish, Toothless Walnut, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Netta Atabani, Remy Fontaine, Sarah Shecker, Nona VM, Zina Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia Addy, Brian, Jenny Campion, Nikki Harris, Cara Hamilton, Courtney Hemwood, Kine, Amanda Alfred, Sabrina, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Lindy Plackey, Martha Madueno, Benjamin Desmond, Sarah Shetter, Marta Morrison, Stephanie Magnuson, Justine Wade, Aaron Richter, CJ Ochoco, Eileen Gazesh, Violet Sullivan, Kat Yao, Lindsay Towning, Fielding Lee, Keegan Curran, Miranda Manning, Gail Ann, Mr. Folk, Adam Bryant, Christine Welton, Maya, Zachary Davis, Kieran, Heaven, Christie, Lily Leader Williams, Wire Warrior 4976, Flora Sake, Sierra Skiaris Ford, Georgia, Itzel Aime Ayala, Peter Wyckoff, Kenny Kane, Skyla Lily, Ed O'Ryan, Professor Threat, Kelsey Lesian, Ellie Huskovchova, Lubin Maleo, Akinwande, Lena Karen, Daniel Fulkerson, Lee Lili, Elizabeth Christofferson, Abby, Luca Faccio, Michael David Yordi, Nice Earmuffs Potter, Did Your Mum Make Them For You? Cara Hoyer, Tiffany Cottrell, Kelly Otilio, Nadia Vansgard, Carrie Crumpler, Jamie Kingston, Camilo Garcia, Connie Bienkowski, Mary Mateel, Imo Sarah, Jennifer Went, Anastasia Blake, Jaden Allman, Nedry OS, Matt Barger, Riley Lane, Will Husser, Zephyr Lawrence, Brett Clausen, Samantha Lentz, Kayla M. Simino, Lauren Wainwright, Aurora Fruhoff, Emma Clark, Hermione Snape, Megan Dick, Out of Context 69, Liam McCormick, Melena Brandle, Marco Cepeda, Ella Robertson, Hannah Zeters, Cordy Spilker, Victoria McCormick, Marie Rieger, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Phelan, Julie Walton, The Meadows Family, Jennifer From the Block, Anna Penalber Alvarez, Fake Valentine, Brianna Jordan, Karu Teru, Sarah Saunders, McKenna Tweedy, Six Awkward Nine, Anthony Ruiz, Peter Mina, Heather Langeal, Weekend of Dead Cat Ladies, Javi Guadalupe Trejo III, Darlene Kerr, Brad Harding, Thomas Chavara, Charlotte, Brianna Cusimano, Kevin Stewart, Lori McDonald, Patrick Cribben, Chris U2, Alex Romano, Bugaboo, Jarl Sviven, Haley Logan, Adam Graham, Emma Ashley Enstrom, Peter McGrath, Sophie Duda, Jack McMahon, Jen and Rose Dowd, T Pixel Guy, Nicole Linzer, Out of Context 69, Callahan and Darius, Kylo the Husky, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Web design by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Bettina Campamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can at Facebook.com slash Potterless, Twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, Instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, or Reddit.com slash R slash Potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to PotterlessPodcast.com. For bonus content, you can go to Patreon.com slash Potterless. For merchandise, you can go to bit.ly slash Merchon. And if you tell someone about the show, whether it's in person or review online, that really helps. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on! 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.